0: yeah how about that well we're going to start the series called god at the movies and really my goal was is we've kind of come from some heavy series and some heavy messages i promise you the we're starting a series in i think four weeks called in the meantime it's what what do you do when you can't do anything you're in a situation and you can't do anything how does god respond to that so that's going to be very heavy so for the next few weeks you can take a deep breath just relax a little bit and um maybe we'll be a little bit on the lighter side with that said I believe somebody's here today that uh, this is the exact movie that God wants you to know uh, why you like this movie or why this movie would be good for you. So I don't want to minimize anything that we're doing. I just wanna, want us to understand that uh, this would be kind of on the, on the lighter side a little bit for us. Anyway, starting God at the Movies. And I'm getting a little bit of an echo feedback here, too, if you can fix that a little bit. Starting got at the movies, here's a couple quick statistics. In 2019, the box office for movies was $11.2 billion in North America. $11.2 billion. I think that's like the average person spending $35 in America for a movie each year. The worldwide box office was $42.5 billion. So, that's a lot of movies. So, if you ask the question, why do people go see movies? I mean, I go see movies a lot as, a, as a, just a break from life, but why do you go see movies? Some of it is special effects, that might be it. some of it might be costume design, some of it may be uh, an actor or an actress that you really like. But in general, what makes this box office 11 billion in, the, in North America and 40 billion worldwide is the story. The story is the key thing to virtually every movie. You can have great special effects, costume design, great actors and actresses. But if, if the story isn't good, then really it becomes a bomb. So, We're gonna look at some things of why these movies are good. Uh, Where do we think God steps into that picture? Is it a God principle that the movie teaches? Some of the movies will talk about God, some of the movies don't. But we think these have some some huge value. So uh, that's where we're going. This uh, represents a little bit of the message today. This represents a little bit of the message today. And this represents uh, the message today. And I just want you to take note Really, you can see a little bit of the picture right now, but you can't see everything, correct? You can't see the total picture. Would it change what you thought about these if you could see the total picture? It would. It would change what you thought. It would change how you feel. So at the end of today's message, I'm going to reveal all these to you, and uh, we'll take it from there. So here's kind of the scripture message that I think represents the movie that we're going to watch. And the movie, by the way, is my favorite movie. I decided, well, if we're going to start off with this, I might as well pick my favorite movie of all time. So that's what we're going to watch today. But I'm going to give you a story before I tell you about the movie, and we're going to see six six clips from the movie. So I need to move through this kind of quickly. But this is the life of Joseph. Not Joseph and Mary, but Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, who is also known as Israel. He's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, or the 12 brothers of Israel. We're going to read this story. And... uh, I mean, Jacob is the father. Joseph is one of the sons. We're going to read the story about jo- Joseph, one of the sons. So here we go. Genesis 37, 2 through 11. This is, is the account of Jacob's family line. Here we go. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flock with his brothers, the sons of Bela and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. So quick picture. Here's Joseph. He goes to see all of his brothers out in the field. And he comes and he brings back a bad report back to his dad. Now Israel, who is Jacob, now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they could not speak a kind word to him. So here we have Joseph scouting out the older brothers, going back to dad, telling him what's going on. He's wearing this nice coat of many what? Colors. And his brothers hate him. They say they hate him. Verse five, Joseph had a dream and we told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I ha- I've had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. That would make me feel good if Hurt gave me that story or my older brother Steve, that, right? He said, so you bowed down. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Verse nine, then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bow- bowing down to me. Now I'm like, wow, if I'm one of the brothers, right? When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, well, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So his brothers were still hacked off and his dad just thought about this. Now remember, this was his favorite son. So the story picks up, and I'm not going to read it all to you, but the story picks up, and Joseph goes out to find his brothers in the field at another time. And when he's going out to find them in the field, one of the brothers had an idea, let's kill him, right? We don't like him, let's kill him, let's just do away with him. Now that's pretty severe, I'd say. Then one of the brothers said, no, 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 he is kind-hearted. The kind-hearted brother said, no, no, let's not do that. Instead, let's just throw him in a pit and sell him sell him as a slave. So they all got together and they said, you know, that's not a bad idea. So some slave traders were coming through that area that were going to Egypt, and they sold Joseph. You can read the amount uh, in Genesis, you can read the amount they sold him for. So they sold, sold him to these slave traders that were going into Egypt. And these slave traders, in turn, then took Joseph. Now he's 17 years old, by the way, which I should have told you that. He's 17 now, so you get the picture. Joseph, probably a spoiled kid, has everything he needs, and now all of a sudden, He's 17, and he's on a slave caravan going into Egypt. They sold Joseph to a guy named Potiphar, who was an assistant to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he's in the royal court of the Pharaoh, the the leader of all the known universe, basically at that time uh, that Joseph would have been aware of. So then we read Genesis 39.2. Before I read this, Genesis 39.2, Joseph really was just a 17-year-old boy. He'd gone out into the field to check on his brothers. It seems like he loved his dad. It seemed like his brothers didn't like him. We got all that. But just a regular kid. And then he finds himself as a slave. Now, how do you think they treated slaves back then? Not good. Have slaves ever really been treated really well? So not good. This kid's 17. His world's thrown upside down. He's been sold by a slave trader, then sold to a guy named Potiphar, and then we read Genesis 39.2, where we pick this verse up. The Lord was with Joseph. Stop. You mean I'm sold? You put me in slavery, and the Lord is what? With me? A moment that Joseph would have every right to say, you're not with me. You're absent. You're gone. You're nowhere in this picture, Right? except the problem is Joseph can't see the big picture. But I would have understood if he, he responded that way. But he didn't. Unbelievably, Joseph didn't, because apparently he had a faith in God that he, he realized God can be with me in the good, and God can be with me in the bad. So Genesis 39.2, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Okay, so we get the picture. Joseph goes to this house, he's still a slave, He's in the house of Potiphar, and he says he does pretty well. The, the, the master likes him, Genesis 39, 6 through 7, just a few verses down from Genesis 39, 2. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Time out. How old is Joseph? 17, 18, 19? How are his hormones? Okay. Here's Joseph. The writer tells us that he's a good-looking dude. He is, I don't know what Potiphar looked like. I don't know the course of the marriage, what's going on here. But she takes a shining to him, and then she tries to seduce him. Now, you've got a timeout picture here. Joseph could have said, I've been ripped all along. I'm a slave. Go for it. What difference does it make right now? Let's do this. In fact, it may enhance my standing. I mean, who knows? But he's got a choice. To do what he knows is right, or to do what he thinks the situation would call for him allow him to do. But there's a big picture involved on either choice he makes. One, the picture could go a totally different way, has an affair, who knows where that goes. The other is he says no and gives his reasons why. We'll see. Genesis 39, 11 through 12, just a little bit further down. One day he went into the house to attend his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak. Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in his hand and he ran out of the house. Quick story, he runs out of the house. She's hacked off. She's the spurned lover. She's mad. She tells her husband, he tried to sexually assault me. He tried to rape me. He's a bad dude. And then from there, from there, Potiphar gets upset. He throws him in the king's prison, Pharaoh's prison. A bad place to be an enemy of of anybody that's associated with Pharaoh. Now Joseph had done everything right. In fact, he had told her, he said, how can I do this? You're you're, You're Potiphar's wife, how can I do this? He said, he's helped me and done a lot of good things. How can I do this to him? And yet the reward for all this is, he's thrown in a dungeon. Now get the picture real quick, right? going out to his brothers. He's sold into slavery. They sell him to Potiphar. He works and does a good job there. Potiphar's so impressed with him, puts him in charge of everything. His wife tries to seduce him. He's a stand-up guy and says, no, I can't do this uh, to Potiphar. That wouldn't be right. He gets thrown in prison. Potiphar gets mad and gets thrown in prison, doesn't even hear his side of it. Gets thrown in the prison. Verse 39, 21, he's now in jail. And here's what we read, verse 39, 21. And the Lord was with him. I'm not, At this time when I'm reading this in scripture, I'm going, God, I want you to be with me, but maybe not so much like this. But the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. After a couple years in prison, the guys had some dreams in the prison. And Joseph told him what these dreams were. He apparently had the ability to hear a dream and could give, could kind of tell you what was going on with it. So the Pharaoh started having this dream. And his dream haunted Pharaoh, and he couldn't sleep. So uh, Joseph had told these two guys that were with him about the dream. They got out of prison. Joseph said, remember me when you get out of prison. They worked for the king, the Pharaoh of Egypt. They forgot about him. But a couple years later, they remember him. And now Pharaoh, I mean, now Joseph uh, gets out of prison because the king says, come to me and tell me my dream. He tells him his dream. Pharaoh, I mean, Joseph interprets it for him and says, here's what's going to happen. You know how old Joseph is right now? 30. For 13 years, he'd either been in slavery or in prison. And we believe he was in prison for at least two to three years, okay? Unjustly. Nobody had helped him. You ever find yourself in life where you say, God, are 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 you with me? Are you with me in this? Whatever you're with me in this is, So unbelievably in this, he interprets Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh liked the interpretation of what he said. And he says, okay, basically Joseph says there's gonna be years of famine and there's gonna be years of plenty. He said, during the years of plenty, we gotta stock up all the stuff in Egypt for the years of famine. If you do that, none of the other neighboring kingdoms will have anything. They'll be starving. They can come to you. You can name your price for all the grain that you've stored. Genesis 41, 33 through 36. After Joseph had just told Pharaoh this story, And now let Pharaoh, and this is Joseph speaking to Pharaoh. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the city for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. He says, okay, we can't figure out anything about Joseph, you're the guy. So Joseph, at age 30, ascended to the second hand of the most powerful man on the planet. What a turn of events, right? What a turn of events. So to quickly go forward before I show you the movie clips, his brothers and his family, his other brothers and his family, they were starving. After the seven-year period, they were starving. They come in to where Joseph is at in Egypt. They're looking for food and Joseph recognizes his brothers. Now, what would you do right now? Well, the question is, what's the big picture going to look like? And Joseph has always trusted God, even when it seemed like what a, what a jib job this is, what a ripoff this is, how unfair this is. This is ridiculous. You've taken this from me. You've taken this from me. And God says, I'm still with you. I'm with you. You don't see the big picture, and I do. So here's what Joseph tells his brothers when he meets with them, Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. You, you, You wanted to kill me. You threw me in a pit. You sold me to slavery. You wanted to harm me. But what seemed bad, God turned around. Now, for all of you that have struggled with loss or pain, that have trusted in Christ, that is the promise of our God. That everything that we see in the moment that looks like, you're not with me, how could this happen? God says, hold on, hold on to me. God sees the big picture. We can't. So what I'm asking today is, can you trust God in the small thing that's going on with your big picture of your life? Good or bad, can you do that? Tusk out of the big picture. This leads us to my movie, my favorite movie ever. It's called It's a Wonderful Life. And I know many of you have seen it. So I want to just kind of give you just a quick heads up here. This is the story of a man named George Bailey. And here's clip one, and it's called Lasso the Moon, clip one. So watch this
1: mary i know what i'm gonna do tomorrow and the next day and next year and a year after that i'm shaking the dust of this crummy little town off my feet and i'm gonna see the world italy greece the parthenon the Colosseum. then i'm coming back here and go to college and see what they know and then i'm gonna build things i'm gonna build airfields i'm gonna build skyscrapers a hundred stories high i'm gonna build bridges a mile long Well, you gonna throw a rock Yeah, that's pretty good. What'd you wish, Mary? Buffalo gals, can't you come out, tonight? Tonight, can't you come out, come out tonight? tonight? can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out, come out tonight? tonight? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? tonight. Ah, dance by, by the, the light of, of the, the moon. moon. What'd you wish when you threw that rock? Oh, no. Come on, no. tell me. If I told you, it might not come through. What is it you want, Mary? What do you want? You you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. Then what? Well, then you could swallow it and it'd all dissolve, see? And the moonbeams would shoot out of your fingers and your toes and the ends of your hair. Am I talking too much? Yes! Why don't you kiss her instead of talking her to death? How's that? Why don't you kiss her instead of talking her to death? Want me to kiss her, huh?
0: Oh, use just wasted on the wrong people. Hey. So quickly, here's this guy named George Bailey. He's got these dreams. They're phenomenal dreams. He wants to go away. He wants to travel the world. In fact, he wants to be a builder, an engineer. He ends up marrying Mary. He ends up not going away. His dreams don't go away. His brother goes away. All these other things happen. He ends up not going away. And through no fault of his own, he ends up working at a a savings and loan. And then something happens. A bad thing happens to him, and somebody takes some money that the savings and loan needed. And yet he's the fall guy for it. I mean, he's the one that's going to have to pay the price. The question, really, that would falter, that should be your default mode if you're watching this, why we love this story is, was God still with him? Just like Joseph, was God still with him? It wasn't his fault that this money was lost or just taken, however you want to look at it. So stuff starts to fall apart in his life. And uh, uh, he has a family with Mary, he has kids. So now I want to show you just a quick picture. This is how he responds, kind of when life is just falling apart from him. His dreams are broken. He can't see the big picture. And he's starting to move to the point of despair. Watch this clip.
1: George, what's wrong? Wrong,
0: everything, George. You call
1: this a happy family? Why do we have to have all these kids? Dad, how do you spell Frankenstein? I don't know. Why ask your mother? Where are you going? Going yeah. up to see Susan. Told me to write a play for tomorrow. F R A N K I N. What happened to you?
2: I want a flower.
1: Oh, wait no Where do you think you're going?
2: Want to give my flower a drink? All oh, right,
1: all right. I'll give the give Daddy the flower. I'll give it a drink. No, oh, right here. Look, Daddy. Paste it. Yeah. All right. All right. Give me.
2: All right. We'll paste this
1: together. No, no, give the flower a drink. Now, will you do something for me? What? Will you try and get some sleep? I'm not sleepy. I want to look at my flower. I know, I know, but you just go to sleep, and then you can dream about it. I'm sure she'll be all right. The doctor said that she ought to be out of bed in time to have her Christmas dinner. Is that Zuzu's teacher? Yes. Let me see. Hello. Hello, Mrs. Welsh. This is George Bailey. I'm Zuzu's father. Say, what kind of a teacher are you anyway? What do you mean sending her home like that half naked? You realize she'll probably end up with pneumonia on account of you? George. Is this the sort of thing we pay taxes for, to have teacher... Have teachers like you stupid, silly, careless people that send our kids home without any clothes on. You know, maybe my kids aren't the best dressed kids, and maybe they don't have any decent clothes. Oh, that's stupid. Hello, Mrs. Welch. I I want to apologize. Hello? Hello? She's hung up. I'll hang her up. What is that? Hello, who's this? Oh, Mr. Welch. Okay, that's fine, Mr. Welsh. Give me a chance to tell you what I really think of your wife. Will you get out and let me handle this? Hello. Hello. What? Oh, you will, huh? Okay, Mr. Welsh. Anytime you think you're man enough, you... Hello. Any... Uh... Dad, how do you spell hallelujah? How should I know? What do you think I am? A dictionary? Tommy, stop that. Stop it. Janie, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You play it over and over again. Now stop it, stop it! sorry, Mary. Janie, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I... You go on and practice. Oh, Pete, I owe you an apology, too. No, I'm sorry. What do you want to know?
2: Nothing, Daddy.
1: What's the matter with everybody? Janie, go on. I told you to practice. Now go on, play. Oh, Daddy. (laughs) George, why must you torture the children? Why don't you... bed for two or seven, please. Is Daddy in trouble? Yes, Pete. Shall I pray for him?
0: Yes, Jenny, pray very
1: hard. Me
0: too? You too, Tommy. So they pray for him, and um, he goes off, and he thinks life would be better, if family would be better if he had never been born. So they pray, and I guess the answer to prayer is this angel called Clarence. And I don't know how angels work or anything, but uh, apparently this angel comes to him, and he's on the bridge. George is ready to end it. And he says, he says I wish I'd never been born. And then the angel tells him, he says, you're going to get a great gift. You're going to see what your life would have been like, all the people in your life, if you'd never been born. In other words, you're going to get a glimpse at another picture, a full picture, without you in it. So watch this clip.
2: Look, who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. Yeah, yeah I know. You told me that.
1: What else are you? What are you? You a hypnotist? No, of course not. Well, then
2: why am I seeing all these strange things? Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Well, if
1: I wasn't born, who am I?
2: You're nobody.
1: You have no identity. Oh, what do you mean,
2: no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. You have no papers, no cards, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. They're not there either. What? Zuzu's petals. You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like without you. Wait a minute here,
1: wait a minute here. Oh, this is some sort of a funny dream I'm having. So long, Mr. I'm going home. Home? What home? Now shut up. Cut it out. You, you, you're, you, you're crazy. That's what I think. You're, you're screwy. You're driving me crazy, too. I'm seeing things here. I'm going home and see my wife and family. You understand that? And I'm going home alone.
0: All right. Through a series of events, he starts to believe uh, that he's been taken out of the picture and that uh, the angel is showing him different things. So the angel to convince him says, I, I want to bring you to a place. And he brings him to the cemetery. And we pick it up from there now. This is still seeing life without him on it.
2: Are you sure this is Bailey
1: Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You went here
2: to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine.
1: That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He
2: saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George... You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? Oh, well, I I, I can't. Uh... I don't know how you know these things, but
1: tell me, where is she? I'm if you not... know where she is, tell me where my wife is.
2: I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where is Mary? Where is she? Where is she? She's just about to close up the library. There must be some easier way for me to get my wings.
0: So he goes and finds Mary, by herself, lonesome, and a totally changed person. He realizes he has no kids, no people. It's a total different. The city's different. Everything's around. He's given the gift of seeing a big picture without him. Some of us, at times, think our lives don't matter. Can I make this statement? God never, ever made a mistake, and let me even push that more. God never made anything that wasn't perfect. I Meaning, what he did, his will is perfect. And you were made, and you may break things, and you may do things wrong, but God did not make a mistake in making you. You are a beautiful masterpiece. It's not an accident. I don't know whether your parents planned you or not, but I know God did. And at times, we just have to sit back when the pressure of the world gets there, when things don't go our way, when we find ourselves in a Joseph moment. We have to understand that God is still with us and that someday he can show the whole big picture. So he he tells Clarence, he said, I want to come back. I want to come back. I want to come back to life. And we pick it up from here.
1: Clarence! Clarence! Help me, Clarence! Get me back! Get me back! I don't care what happens to me! Get me back to my wife and kids! Help me, Clarence, please! Please! I want to live again! I want to live again! I want to live again! Please, God, let me live again! Hey, George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now, get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out of here. What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George. Bert, do you know me? Know you? Huh, you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car piled into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you... Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you... <laughs> My mouth's bleeding, Birch. My mouth's bleeding. Jujubes pedals.
0: Juju. There they are, Birch. What do you know about that? Merry Christmas. So here we see the picture where he trusted God. God gave him a gift to see things. He saw the picture a bit more clearly. And then I go back to our story. Are you willing to trust God? Remember a few weeks ago, if you're here, where we talked about the way to follow Jesus is in all things be grateful. Because why? Because God sees the big story, and he's weaving it together to eventually remove all the pain and all the sorrow, to make what was broken healed again, to restore what was dead, to bring back to life. And we're part of that picture. And we can be a light to this world, and we can trust in our own life that God has our backs, just like he did Joseph, even when he was in a prison, even when he was thrown into slavery, God was with him. And you may have a terrible health report. God's not abandoned you. In fact, he can take that health report and turn it into something I don't know, and the scope of things, beautiful. It may be hard for us to get that. Maybe we just have to hold on to the intellectual knowledge that that's true. Maybe we won't feel it that way, but we just have to hold on to it. So much hangs in the balance. If Joseph walked away, there would be no Israel today. All the brothers would have died. Jacob would have died. Jesus came from the line of the tribe of Judah. That would have been gone away. So Joseph, staying in the moment, holding on to God, saying, God's with me. It it changed the whole course of history, our history even. And you're the same way. It's the same God. Every time a bell rings, Clarence would say that an angel gets his wings. Watch this last clip.
1: I could the fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. (laughs) Carry on, about your Banford in New York. Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. (laughs) To my big brother, George, the richest man in town. Present from a very dear friend of mine.
2: Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings.
1: That's right. That's right. a boy, Clarence.
0: the line, "No man is a failure who has friends." So he heard the story of Joseph, real story. Saw the story of George Bailey. See this photo? You can just see a little bit of it. I'll show you just a real-life story, all right? It's off. Showed up on the screen. This is a picture of Herc at his uh, graduation. I mean, a senior year of prom. That's Herc. Doesn't he look like he's like nine years old? Look, Herc said, woo. He looks like he's like nine. So you'd have looked at this picture, and you'd have thought, okay, that's part of the story. And then this picture is his daughter Jesse's wedding. By the way, many, many of you don't know, that's Josh's twin sister, okay? who now has Herc's first grandchild, who's changed his life. You look at all this, show that up on the screen. That little kid that I knew that was, uh, went to prom that looked like he was 11, that's just part of the picture you saw. Goes through some hardships and now you see part of the picture unraveling here, just like maybe in your life. And think what would have happened, I'm gonna show you this final picture in a second. If after this picture, this is his baby picture, if uh, my parents would have put him up for adoption. Here's his baby photo. You can show it on the screen. See? See? I know, I know. I was the same way, I know. I laughed, I laughed too. Father, we praise you. We praise you that you see the big picture. You live outside of time. You live in past, present, future. You create a time for our benefit. It does not hold you. Your promises are true. You are for us, not against us. We thank you for the story of Joseph. And so many just like Joseph. What seemed like was a bad thing when Jesus was crucified, actually was freedom for all of us when he rose from the grave. God, I thank you and I praise you that we can trust you, that you're with us through the good and the bad. I thank you for this movie. I thank you for this time. God, touch our hearts as we sing this last song to you. Is in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Let's stand and sing.